0: Welcome to a special episode of Broadway Radio, where uh, my name is James Marino, and we also have uh, Jenna Tessa Fox on with us. And the reason for having Jenna on a special episode today is that... uh, Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Matt and Ashley and Peter and Michael did their best of 2019. And I really wanted to hear from Jenna as well to see, you know, what the best of 2019 was for Jenna. So, Jenna, thanks for coming back.
1: Hey, thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, I'm so happy that you're able to do this. So... Well, you, I'm not sure how you want to break it down, but I'll let you take the lead here. Do you want to talk about the best on Broadway, the best off-Broadway, the best special events, or just the best in general? What's Ooh. your thoughts?
1: Well, my thought was mostly uh, best in general. Um, okay. It, it's, a, it's a motley mix, and it's, I couldn't narrow it down to just 10. And this took a <laughs> while. Once you suggested I start writing down yeah. my list of... Uh, Memorable things from 2019. Uh, this, this, it was a good year, I think, honestly. Though it kind of impressed me that a bunch of the things on my list were transfers from previous years. Mm. And I thought that was kind of striking about how many shows originated off Broadway and then transferred or uh, originated off Off Broadway and transferred to Off Broadway. Uh, so I thought that said something about. The time it takes for something to reach its, I don't want to say fullest potential, but you know what I mean. The time it sure. takes for a show to, to mm-hmm. reach that point where it would be included in uh, among the best of the year. So 10 is an arbitrary number. I didn't stick to numbers. I just jotted down some of the shows that really have stuck with me. Um, uh, and these are in no particular order. So I don't want to say the absolute best uh, was and though I will say the show that still just makes me smile whenever I think of it is Much Ado About Nothing at uh, the Delacorte Theater Uh over the summer. Sure. And so little this year, just compared to the sheer joy of Kenny Leon's take on a classic Shakespearean comedy. And I know I discussed this at length on this week on Broadway at one point, but, just months later, thinking about the show just still makes me grin. I am so grateful to the public theater for producing the show, for everyone who was involved in making it happen. But also just that PBS uh, was able to air it, that this has been made accessible to everybody. Everyone got is now able to see this wonderful production this was not for the theater snobs. This was a show for everyone to love and enjoy. The tickets at the Delacorte were free. The Now it's streaming on PBS.com. It was broadcast on TV. This is available for everyone to see and enjoy. And I just loved every aspect of the production, but also the politics behind making it accessible to the masses. So I that show really stuck out for me, and I hope more shows take that lead. Um, Love that one. Love the performances, obviously, from Danielle Brooks, Grantham Coleman, Chuck Cooper. It was a lovely show. So definitely that's at the top of my list. Um, a Strange Loop, off-Broadway, Michael R. Jackson's very meta-musical about looking for love, uh, looking for acceptance, trying to find the place where you fit in. This was a very clearly black, gay musical, and yet uh, for... I think for anyone who is trying to find their community, trying to find their their place in the world, trying to find acceptance and love, demanding the respect that they are owed from partners, from family members, I think so many people can find a moment in that show to connect with. It was a breathtaking production. I truly hope it transfers and extends. That was just lovely and a beautiful, powerful piece. Um. Beetlejuice is of everything on my list. I know, right? I, yeah. It's the only Broadway musical on my, uh, my initial list. And it's also the only screen-to-stage adaptation, uh, possibly because it is the least like any of the other screen-to-stage adaptations that we've had recently. Uh, the show scrapped everything from the movie that was cinematic. It made everything theatrical. And I so, so appreciate the creative team not trying to stick to that pre-existing blueprint, that they could find the things that worked from the movie and could be translated to the stage, and the things that couldn't translate, they didn't try to force the issue. They turned what was a funny, gothic, very dark comedy into a genuine story of a family in crisis and people trying to connect with one another. And they gave... This cla- this campy classic, silly movie, some heart and some soul, and I really enjoyed the show. I'm so sorry to hear that they're losing the house. I hope, I hope it transfers, because I, I went into that theater expecting so little. I mean, we've all seen so many bad screen-to-stage uh, adaptations. And this one just blew me away. The wit, the music, so much of it just worked. So the performances, so much of it was so effective. And it was such a delightful surprise. And I know it's been making good money since the Tony Awards. I mean, the creative team keeps coming up with new lyrics for the opening song for every special (laughs) event that they do. I mean, can you imagine the time that takes and the effort they're putting into it? It's fantastic. So I I truly hope. Oh, I interv- yes.
0: No, I interviewed Eddie Perfect, and we talked about that uh, that exact thing about uh, coming up with all those things. And he's he's uh, he's a little bit in shell shock about uh, Beetlejuice because uh, it, you know it. He, his fir- these are his first two King Kong and Beetlejuice were his first two shows on Broadway, and he he moved here from Australia, and so he's he. You know, he figured he knew the game because, you know, the show was selling well and doing great business. And to hear that his show was closing, even uh-huh. though it's selling well and doing great business.
1: Exactly. It's
0: very strange.
1: It is. And it's incredibly disappointing, especially for a show that that took risks. I and mean, the creative team took some risks with this one. They did not try to just put the – I'm thinking of several others that I don't want to mention because I don't want to drag anyone through the mud. But so many other shows just – just put the movie on the stage. And I can see the movie if I want that. It's what's exciting about adaptations is what's new. What are you going to do that's different? And this one did a lot that was different, adding in the extended subplot of Lydia's grief, of learning to live with grief, learning to overcome her grief, uh, learning to reconnect with her father. All of that was not in the movie. This was all adapted for the stage and added for the stage, I should say. And that was what gave the show so much of its heart and made it a genuinely emotional musical. And I'm just so sorry that it's closing so early. And I I hope if it can't transfer that it has a very healthy life in regional theaters and uh, and in uh, amateur and school productions. We should point out to be seen. Yes, to
0: point out that uh, that listeners have until June to see it. So yes,
1: that's you know, true.
0: It's uh, you know yeah. it's a, a long and winding road until there, but I, I guess only twenty six twenty. I guess twenty four weeks now until it closes or so. So get out there and uh, get to Beetlejuice as soon as you can. I loved yeah. it too. Oh good. I, I loved it too, and my wife hated it. Really, because she's such a dev- devotee of the movie, and she wanted to see exactly the movie on stage.
1: Ah, that's and interesting. She was very
0: upset about the changes, ah. and I was like, I loved it, and I didn't. <laughs> I, exactly, you and I are on the same page, Jenna. That I, I don't need to see an exact replica from the mo- from the, a movie to the stage, um, and I really loved. Beetlejuice.
1: Yeah, I loved what they did with it. I loved the changes. It was not at all what I was expecting. I went in expecting to see uh, the movie on the stage, and I was going to roll my eyes through the whole thing because the movie is not theatrical. And And I
0: can't believe Brightman still has a voice.
1: Seriously? Oh my gosh.
0: He chose a week. I can't believe he's still, I thought for sure after I heard him sing, I was like, he's shot. There's no way he's going to be able to do this for an extended period of time, but he just rocks.
1: He said up and down, he has studied how to do that voice without causing any vocal damage. And God bless him because he does it beautifully.
0: And he's got a puppy.
1: But I mean, his take on the role is decidedly different from Michael Keaton's. He brings his own Mm -hmm. energy to it. And I truly hope that, you know, I enjoyed his performance so much in School of Rock. I loved his work on this. So I really hope this just leads to uh, more opportunities for him. Though I I know it's selfish. I don't want him to go to Hollywood. I want him to stay on Broadway and do a lot more musicals. So I hope it leads to a lot of success for him and for everyone who was involved in it. I so enjoyed that show. Um, Octet, which ran quite a while oh, ago off-Broadway, yeah. an acapella musical about technology addiction and our, our need to connect with each other and how technology uh, helps that and also hinders it and fascinating, thought-provoking musical. I'm kind of surprised. I honestly thought by now there would be announcements of an extended run elsewhere or other regional productions. If there are, I haven't heard of them.
0: Well, I have a theory behind that. So Octet was uh, written by Dave Malloy. Yes. And he's kind of busy right now up at uh, ACT doing uh, Moby Dick.
1: That's no excuse. I want (laughs) Octet back.
0: (laughs) So I think that we will see Octet in the future. I absolutely do think we'll see Octet in the future.
1: That that is the
0: rumor that I hear.
1: Fingers firmly crossed. It was such an original show, Uh, not just the fact that it was a cappella, but the subject matter, the performances, the style, the way it was presented uh, in the round, in this winding space where the minute you walk into, uh, you have to walk through this long winding hallway to reach the theater and you're immersed into the world. Uh, While you're waiting to get to your seat. So much about that show is so original and so cleverly done. And it was just lovely and brilliant and very thought provoking. And that's another show that I hope has an extended life. Granted, once he's finished with Moby Dick, which I haven't seen, and I really hope I can soon, but I hope he can come back and you know, keep this one going because it deserves to be seen. It's a, genuinely a musical for our time and deserves to be seen by a much broader audience. Uh, I also really, really enjoyed Bella Bella uh, earlier, oh, uh, a couple okay. weeks ago, a couple months ago. Uh,
0: Harvey firestein 's show.
1: Yes, Harvey Firestein's love letter to Bella Abzug. And it's not just, I I thought it was going to be mostly a bio piece on Bella and the fact that it was dealing with women's rights and gay rights and black rights and civil rights and human rights. I mean, every kind of uh, persecuted group is touched upon in this piece. And it is such a wonder, a smart and funny Cry from the heart and words you never think that would go together. A funny cry from the heart, hmm. but it's a beautiful one-person show, and I, I adore Harvey Firestein. I love the chutzpah that he would play Bella himself, and you know, no makeup, no drag. That this it was again an edgy, risky take, and it worked so beautifully. And it was a sharp, funny. Uh, look at politics from the past, what, 70 years? I'm trying to think, when did Bella start getting active Hmm. in law and from her early work as a lawyer, moving up into politics? And it's such, again, it's a piece for our time, just to remember the people who have been fighting long before, the people who paved the path, the people who have been fighting for so many years. Uh, It is such a great love letter to her, to her accomplishments, and to all of the people who have been out there in the trenches fighting for human rights uh, long before it was trendy to do so. Uh, the trailblazers who we need to remember and we need to admire. And again, since this is a one-person show, uh, I truly hope it's done in a lot of regional theaters since they love the affordability of one person, one set shows, nice and simple. I hope this is done everywhere. I'd love to hear him do this as one of those audible radio dramas because how beautiful would that be? I would love that. It was such a a lovely piece and I hope it has an extended life. a bunch of the shows that as i mentioned earlier were transfers from previous seasons and so, or previous years i should say so i wasn't sure if i should include them here cuz quite a few of them i got to see uh off broadway or off-off-Broadway, um, you know, what the Constitution means to me is one of the more breathtaking things I've seen in quite a while. Choir Boy, uh, the Yiddish Fiddler on the Roof was spectacular. I just loved that. Uh, a Bag, which I had never seen live before, but I know that started off in the UK before it came here. Uh, Darren Brown's Secret was a lot of fun. I saw that at the Atlantic a couple of years ago. Uh, Town, obviously transferred. Uh, and again, I think, you know, the quality of those productions just speaks to how long it can take for a show to develop. And that what you see in a workshop or uh, off-Broadway may take a while to make it to Broadway or to an extended off-Broadway run, but go early when you can, because you can see something in its earliest stages before it becomes the talk of the town. Um I do want to give a shout-out to a couple honorable mentions, uh, Inc., The Inheritance, All My Sons. These were all very good productions that I really enjoyed. Uh, and there were a couple that I missed. Uh, and I feel like I need to give shout-outs to some shows that got great reviews, but that I either haven't seen them yet or I just missed my chance. I didn't see the Lehman Trilogy. I missed Sear. But you'll get,
0: you get a chance to see the Lehman Trilogy,
1: though. God, I hope so. So I really it's coming to, to Broadway,
0: so yes. we're going to be able to see it.
1: Fingers firmly crossed I was so upset when I couldn't get in to catch it. But since you're asking about the best of 2019 and that ran in 2019, uh, I didn't get to see it. So I can't say if that was one of the best. Uh, I didn't get to see Seared and I'm kicking myself. (gasps) I didn't get, I know, right? I know. I missed Seared. And I'm really hoping theater and film on tape has that so I can catch it. Uh, and god bless theater on film on tape i'm so glad they preserve these pieces so that those of us who miss them get a chance uh, i am seeing uh is this a room or is this a room i'm not sure how mm-hmm. it's supposed to be pronounced i'm seeing that next week so that could be on the list but i'm not sure yet and hopefully i'll see greater clemens uh, i still have not been able to nail down tickets for that so there are a couple things that opened in the last year that i haven't had a chance to see yet. I feel like they deserve a mention as well just because everyone else is telling me I need to see these shows. Uh, It was a pretty good year, I would say, in terms of inventive, original shows, risky pieces, uh, original work that I think just a few years ago we might not have been able to see, but people are taking some good risks on original shows, uh, edgy subjects, and we're getting some really great theater out of it. Something
0: that's very interesting to me is that uh, Matt and Ashley, Peter, Michael, and uh, many of the uh, various roundups, uh, Adam Feldman over at Time Out New York and Helen over at uh, New York Magazine, uh, Vulture, and uh, I think even Ben Brantley and Jesse Green, hardly any of their top lists were Broadway it was mostly off-Broadway and special, special events. Um, So if you had to, given what we've seen in the past, if you had to recommend to somebody that, Hey, you know, if you want to buy a season subscription to one of the major off-Broadway things, who would you recommend?
1: New York theater workshop,
0: New York theater workshop. Yeah.
1: Um, Great. I've consistently been impressed by the shows they're doing. And again, it's the, but they've always been, I mean, they've always taken risks on shows and uh, gone for the edgier material. Um, But, you know, there have been, uh, God, I'm thinking MCC has done some really good work lately. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm bitter that I missed Seared and I'm really Mm. hoping it's at Toft. I mean, It would depend. Okay. Let me backtrack as, as much as I'm always very impressed by the work at New York theater workshop, I would say, look over the, uh, the, the schedule of what these theaters have done recently and what kinds of shows you enjoy? I mean, people who oh, enjoy yeah. more traditional mm-hmm. material might enjoy Roundabout. They may enjoy sure. MTC or MCC. Um, it just depends on what your your style is. And there's nothing wrong with getting a subscription to one company for one year and then switching it out to a different company for a different year, depending mm. on what's coming up and what your tastes are. Um, oh, I want to recommend something. Yes.
0: Um. Uh, Not so much for you, Jenna, but for our listeners, if you are going to get a subscription to one of these uh, theaters, I would get a disposable phone number like Google Voice or something like that and (laughs) give that to them. Because once you get on the roundabout phone list... You get calls for them all, every day, all day. <laughs>
1: oh my. Is this like what happens when you donate to a politician and then all oh, the other politicians? Totally.
0: Yeah. You have to get a disposable email address and a disposable phone number for donating to politicians. Absolutely.
1: Burner email. That's what yeah. I need. A burner Absolutely. email. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> It's true. But I mean, it just depends, I think, on what your personal tastes are. Mm -hmm. Do you want edgy? Do you want traditional? Do you want musicals? And then just take a look at what the last few seasons of any of these companies has been, and what they tend to do. And what is your personal style? For me, uh, I try never to miss a New York theater workshop show. They go for edgy and original, which is usually what I like. And so that's a good fit for me, but I've seen some amazing stuff at roundabout. I've seen amazing stuff at, you know, all the, all of these different companies and, you know, I'm, we were talking earlier today about uh, the uh, the musical theater festival uh, ending, and I'm very grateful that these uh, non-for-profits exist. And, or, oh, my God, I didn't even mention the public. <gasps> I'm going to hell. I'm going to say the
0: public, <gasps> Lincoln Center Theater, Ars Nova.
1: I'm going um, to hell. I didn't even mention that. Oh, I'm terrible. Oh. <laughs> 30 30 lashes with a wet noodle.
0: Well, you you mentioned uh, uh Shakespeare in the park that as you strike So,
1: true, but I mean all these show, they're they're doing amazing work with bringing new work to the stage and taking risks on new creative people. And especially if we're losing the platforms of these uh, experimental festivals, then suddenly these non-for-profits become so much more important and so much more vital for nurturing the next generation of talent. I mean, we can't just have revivals of 50-year-old shows. And it's really important that these groups exist and that they take risks and that they push the envelope in what theater can be. And so far, a lot of them are doing really great work with that. So I'm I'm very grateful that they exist. And oh my god, I just feel terrible that I left so many of them out. <laughs>
0: Encore City Center, and don't forget, like Roundabout, you can get the uh, Broadway subscription. You can get an Off Broadway subscription. They have that uh, the Laura Pells Theater where they do more uh, yes. smaller and progressive things. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's so many great opportunities to have subscriptions to uh, these producing theater companies in New York.
1: There really are. And I- I'm very glad that so many of the, uh, the best of lists are including so much off-Broadway. I mean, that's where the innovation Second is.
0: Second Stage, yes, Atlantic yes. Theater oh Company. Oh my
1: gosh, exactly. Vineyard. Exactly. There's the, so many of them yeah. and they're doing amazing work. and. I, I wish I knew more about the financials and the contracts that go into these deals in terms of how expensive it is to mount an original show on Broadway compared to off Broadway and what the risks are and you know, what the challenges are, what the costs are. Uh, I don't know what those, uh, what those contracts are like, what those deals involve, but, uh, the fact that these groups exist and can make sure that these uh, these productions can gestate, can grow, can uh, get feedback and keep evolving is is wonderful and vital. And for anyone coming to the city from out of town, I mean, I always start recommending off Broadway shows to them. It's significantly less expensive, and you can see you can brag. Well, when I saw it before it transferred, it was so much better.
0: Yeah, you know, we saw Hamilton down at the public in a 100-seat theater, you know. And
1: we get to brag about seeing the Whiskey Rebellion scene Mm -hmm. that wound up getting cut. My favorite (laughs) joke about uh, distilled spirits.
0: Rent at New York Theater Workshop.
1: Oh, Michael Dale got to see that, like, right at the first performances. And he said he had an empty seat next to him. (laughs) <laughs> seriously he tells the story that uh and michael dale should tell the story himself that uh you know, he got tickets in advance and hey it's some rock adaptation of la bohème this sounds like fun and then he invited all of his friends would anyone want to come see this oh michael who wants to see a rock adaptation of la bohème and so <laughs> there he is like Two days after Jonathan Larson died with this uh, screaming, ecstatic audience, everyone wailing and uh, jumping up and down. And there's an empty seat next to him because no one wanted to come see a rock adaptation of La Boheme.
0: Well, whoever wants to go see a a rap musical based on Alexander Hamilton.
1: I mean, I did, but that's beside the point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, is that your list? think that's my list I'm sure at two o'clock in the morning I'm going to think of something else and I'm going to call you and say hey can we record this all over again
0: (laughs) I'll be up oh good well thank you Jenna for joining us and uh, giving your uh, a a kind of highlights of 2019 and uh, we look forward to talking to you all throughout 2020 on Broadway radio
1: cheers happy new year and thank you for inviting me back to talk about an impressive year in the theater